This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to Reimagine Law. Today we'll be talking about robot proofing for lawyers, skills to thrive in the 21st century legal world. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Julia Robinson, Senior Manager for Professional Development and Training at global law firm Ropes and Gray. Julia, it's great to have you with us today on Reimagine Law. Um, would you like to say just a, a little bit more about yourself? Sure, it's great to be with you, Nigel. Um, so I started my career as a corporate lawyer many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught at law school for a few years and more recently returned to law firms to work with lawyers who are further along in their careers. Very good. Okay. And and, and I guess, um, as you say, so it's interesting. So you, as you say, you've gone be- between practicing law yourself to actually almost the instruction, almost, I guess, developing next generation as well, which is probably something we've done quite a lot of both of us. Exactly. Yes. Very good. And, and, and Julia, just, just one thing. I mean, we gave this, uh, we gave this episode the title of Robot Proofing the Lawyers. There's been lots of discussion around the way skill sets are changing, the way the market's changing as well. Um, and I remember that you mentioned to me once, you devised a programme, even before the pandemic, actually, um, that was called Robot Proofing for Lawyers, literally the title of the episode. Could you just talk us through, why did you do that? And what were you thinking about that got you started on that? Yes, the, the germ of that came from an FT article um, that talks okay. about robot proofing and robot proof skills. Yeah. Uh, at the time I read the article, I was working on an innovation training program at my previous firm. Mm. And then uh, when I moved to Ropes and Gray in 2019, I remembered the phrase and I'd liked it so much that I decided to make it the title of my first program. Um, I thought it was a little bit provocative and hopefully a bit intriguing. uh, And it certainly has captured uh, people's interest. Mm, Very good. And and so, as you say, there is all this discussion at the moment of the the workplace of the future and how we need to think about skill development, what can be automated, which which as you and I have discussed many times is, is quite a complex discussion and a complex sort of analysis in I think in the legal world isn't it this whole thing of you know what what can be what can be done where does there need to be human input yeah I think on the training side you know it's always going to be important for lawyers to be trained on on the technical side on on the, Mm. um, the the black letter law and the legal practice and also on the traditional skills, the, the negotiation, the drafting, all those sorts of things yeah. that we're very familiar with um, from law school. But the lawyers of today, you know, let alone tomorrow, um, have <laughs> to have a far wider range of skills um, at this point so that they can adapt to the change that we're all experiencing in terms of the way we do things. And also so they can continue to meet and one would hope also exceed client expectations. The idea is that it's you know, a complex, rapidly changing and increasingly digital world. And yes. the skills we should be prioritizing are those that at the core um, are about our humanness. So critical mm. thinking, creativity, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Do you think these, these new types of skills, is that just as relevant to people at the beginning of careers, as you say, as well as senior people? Does everyone need to get a handle on, on this change? Absolutely. I mean, you know, if we just think about communication and, yes. and the kind of things that we're all uh, grappling now with you know, return to offices and hybrid working, mm. it's just as important that trainees and juniors 
think about how they're communicating with their supervisors and partners yes, as yeah. it is for those partners to be thinking um, and those supervising associates to be thinking about actually how best to include people within the team, how to engage with clients in different ways. Um, so yes, it's important whatever stage of your career you're at. Mm. And, and Julia, I think you've touched on something really interesting there by mentioning the hybrid way of working. I think, and you mentioned the fact of the humanness and the human aspect of all of the development side. Uh, what's come out to me from a number of conversations I've had with, with people across the sector is this desire, as you say, coming out of the pandemic, very much for this sense of connection and almost human connection amongst, you know, amongst team members, I think, as well. Yes. I mean, one thing we saw on the training side during the pandemic mm. was you know, huge demand for training and not just to participate in training, but to present training and to get involved in thinking about training. And yeah. I think a lot of that was about um, connection. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So law firms, they're service providers. So as you say, they're there to serve, serve the clients. Um, is there anything in any trends, do you think, with the clients, Julia, perhaps what they're demanding now um, or perhaps feedback that, that we're receiving from clients that, that guides how we need to develop the, the lawyers and the, and the people delivering the service? Yeah, we, we've had some very interesting um, client feedback where actually a key theme was how much they enjoy working with our lawyers and okay. how much they how much of value they place on emotional intelligence um, as a differentiator. I know it's not always the thing that you know, immediately springs to mind when people think about um, their lawyer relationship, but it just goes to show, you know, when we think of, you know, the trusted advisor and and yep. the importance of those connections with clients, really emotional intelligence is key to that. Mm. And that's really interesting, Julia, because for, for all of our listeners, just thinking who may be at the beginning of their careers or maybe thinking about law as a career. So I guess one message or one little tip and bit of advice as we're going along here is don't forget to keep that, that almost that muscle very strong of the re developing the relationship skills as, as you go along. But that's just as important. I'm, that's what I'm hearing you say, as well as the, as you say, developing the technical knowledge. Absolutely. It's important for getting on in terms of as a trainee, you know, you're moving, you're moving to different, different uh, practice groups, you're needing to yes, build relationships yeah. with new people, you then, you know, hopefully qualifying into a, a practice group. And again, you're building those relationships. So I think early in your career, a lot of that mm. emotional intelligence is necessary internally within mm -hmm, the office mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then as you become more senior that becomes much more of an outward facing um, skill as well as still an, inter uh, an internal skill where you're uh, supporting your team and, um, and bringing on um, more junior lawyers but, but I think the emotional intelligence of a junior lawyer is more within the firm yes. and then it, it branches out more to, to external relationships as you get more senior. Yeah. And, and Julie, you just reminded me by, by describing that, um, just for those, again, listening who perhaps haven't yet been in a, in a, in a law firm in, in any offices. And let's be honest, not many people have been in any offices for the past year and a half or two years. But what's really interesting, I think, it just reminded me, Julie, that on the different floors where you had different practice groups in some of the firms I've been in as well, who work with different types of clients, it was absolutely fascinating how how you can notice difference in those situations. So for example, there might be um, one, one uh, 
one practice group that dealt with a certain type of clients where they were, they were quite formal or um, quite traditional. And so that floor would have a certain feel. And again, the way you interacted with your partners, may or the senior people, if you were one of the juniors, might have a certain style to it. Whereas I, I remember, and this goes back to way back when I was at PwC, actually, we working as a Fiona myself about 20 years ago. And I remember us having a debate because when we were going out to a client that was one of the media companies, we actually had a long discussion about, well, how should we dress? Almost what is the expectation? You know, so that, that thing of adapting, thinking about your style, thinking about how you relate to other people. There is something there actually about not, not assuming that everything's going to be the same. <laughs> mm. Well, and at the moment, I think actually more senior people are experiencing some of those same things that more junior people have mm. always experienced. As you say, that, you know, what exactly should I be wearing or, you know, what's yeah. the sort of vibe going to be? I think yes. with, with all of us, people are going back you know, many of us are going back at the moment into offices, going to in-person client meetings, maybe for the first mm, time in a mm. while. Um, and uh, there certainly is a, you know, how how are things going to be maybe different than they were before? And so we're needing yeah. to adapt whatever level you're at um, to this new this new reality. But yes, there are certainly um, different styles and different practices, different areas of law. And as you say, we, you know, as lawyers, we do reflect our clients to some extent as, yeah. as well in terms of um, the, the other ways that we communicate that are non-verbal. Absolutely. And, and perhaps let's stay with that theme now, now Julia. I mean, you've mentioned already uh, that phrase, emotional intelligence. So just to almost take that apart a bit and make it really practical. What do some of our, you know, for our listeners, what do, what do they really need to understand in terms of what that phrase emotional intelligence means, especially in terms of the skills they're trying to build? Mm. I think, well, it's, a, it's such a big topic, but I think particularly if you're very junior, it is um, being alert to what you're picking up from others. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. a, a lot of observing is involved and a lot yes. of listening is involved when yeah. you're a junior. Um, and that's certainly a skill that will will do, you know, will stand you in good stead throughout your career. <laughs> yes. um, I think being sensitive to to difference yes. um, is also yeah. re really valuable. You know, I think again, bringing it back to where we're at at the moment, different people have different feelings about returning to offices and mm -hmm. how they want to be working in in offices. Um, and I think just being sensitive, and different people have had different experiences of the pandemic. Yes. And so. I think yeah. just being being sensitive to to difference, listening, um, observing, mm -hmm. uh, all of those things will will really be helpful to you as a junior lawyer. Yeah, and and one thing I think that's also been an interesting challenge is how we collaborate, which is I suppose in, implicit in lots of the things you're saying there, and in the virtual environment as well. That's I think that's been that's been that's been a challenge for people. It, are there any, any thoughts there, Julia, that people could perhaps reflect on? Yeah, I think I'm not someone who, I mean, I, it's a difficult, it's a difficult topic, but I mean, we've certainly done um, some, some valuable um, work around collaboration remotely. And I think you can do some really effective collaboration remotely with the right tools, with the right yeah. preparation, but I think we're just less used to it. And so yeah. I think when we're doing, when we're collaborating remotely, it just takes a bit more effort, a bit more thought. 
um, yeah. a bit more putting yourself in the other person's shoes and thinking yes. about what it will be like for them and how they might want to be interacting differently than you might want to be interacting. Yeah. Yes. Whereas I think when we're in person, there is more, this is, there's just a greater familiarity with that kind mm. of collaboration. We've got centuries of that kind of collaboration. <laughs> yeah. so, so I think, it, again, I don't think it's a, you know, collaboration remotely is inherently um, going to be more challenging. It's just that we, we need to put a bit more effort into um, yes. how we do it. Yeah, I think that's right. It's about being a mixture of proactive and a bit more deliberate about it, I guess, isn't yeah. it? And, um, yeah, and, 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 and considerate. Of, very good know, point what, yes you know yeah. what might be the experiences of, of others who are who, who you're collaborating with I mean yeah. I certainly on a you know on one one benefit for me during the pandemic has been um, collaborating a lot more closely with colleagues um, in, in other countries mm, uh, mm. and I think we've because we have got so much better at remote collaboration um, yeah. that has that has really benefited relationships with people that you weren't seeing in person pre-pandemic Mm, 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 mm. I think that's right and, and I think it also something that's coming out for me in, in all of this is this idea that if things are changing if we need to be alert and to be observant we need to adapt ourselves as, as you say there's something there about being a really good constant learner I think which perhaps is another thing for our, for our listeners to, to, to take away because I think as you and I have discussed once or twice as you say you know the latest tech or the tools that people are using they will be updated at some point. You know, you'll get a new version of that tool or that tool. So being open yeah. to the fact that, you know, your job will change or the, or the tasks you do within the job will change quite often, probably, I think. Yes, this is a favourite topic of mine, as you know. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I think it's really important that we all learn, you know, whatever the latest, you know, new knowledge management tool is yeah. or, or whatever, but that will constantly be changing. Yes. And it's the growth mindset that's really needed to see learning as a continual part of what it means to be a lawyer. Yeah. It's not a one and done proposition. I, well, I would, I would hope, you know, junior lawyers would still be wanting to, to learn, but it's certainly not a, you know, you're out of law school and you start practice and, and you're not continuing to develop skills throughout your career. That is really, really key. And yeah. actually being open to learning the next thing yes. um, is, is really important. I've you know, met lawyers through my career who by following those new trends and, and innovation in their, mm. whatever their area is, have really established themselves and had, you know, re really successful careers off the base, off the back of being really open to new things and interested in new things. So I think it's really important and I think it can help you to to really uh, have a very successful career if you are open to those things yeah yeah so julia that's really interesting so we've, we've talked a little bit there about adaptability how are you seeing adaptability play out are you, are you seeing people working with that in a good way yes i mean as i was saying before this program your robot proofing for lawyers that we mm. was actually planned in 2019 and and, and came in in 2020 uh, and obviously then was running alongside the pandemic. Mm. And I think there was interest in the program before the pandemic, but once um, the pandemic started, it really became clear how important some of these topics were. So you know, for example, we had a session on virtual trust, 
which obviously okay. you know is, is always of, of interest when we're working with people remotely, but even more so uh, during the pandemic. Mm, but the mm. topic that we we also covered was this idea of growth mindset, okay. and yeah. I really think the pandemic has shown how actually adaptable people are, and it's given them confidence. I think that mm. they can learn new things. You know, it's it, when you think back to how quickly people adapted to working remotely um, and to various new technologies that they had access to that they may have had access to before, but probably weren't using as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is a confidence that comes from that. You know, I made all of that change then. Yes. I can make it again um, in, if, if, if necessary as, as each new thing comes up in my area. So mm-hmm. I think it's been really important in showing people actually that they do have uh, more of an ad- adaptability muscle than maybe they realized. Yeah, I, I think also, Julia, what it, it throws me again, a little tip to throw out to the audience perhaps is throw yourself into these situations. I mean, we've all been thrown into a specific situation over the last 18 months, but throw yourself into new things and have a go at something, as you say, is, is one of the best ways. I always think it's the best way to build confidence ultimately, because of course, the first time we try something, it's harder, but actually, then we gradually master it or we learn and we learn from that and, and also don't expect it to go 100% well the first time you try something but I think there's something there perhaps about giving yourself permission perhaps as well which I guess is part of the growth mindset point. Absolutely and I think what's also interesting about the growth mindset is the way in which um, learning new things in any area mm. has a benefit on other areas. Yeah so, great point yeah. So I think you know learning new things in your personal life that can give you confidence which can then help you uh you know when you're learn- whenever you're starting a new seat um mm-hmm. as a trainee there's always such an enormous learning curve mm-hmm. and just having that confidence you know i've i've started at the beginning with things before and i've yeah. i've mastered them you know I've, i'm able to learn new things that confidence in your own ability to um, tackle something new you yes. can build up in other ways um, during your life yeah no I, th- I, th- I think that's I think that's absolutely right um, and Julia if we just almost if we went out to an organizational level of thinking here because I know you work with lots of the senior leaders um, how are they seeing this this agenda of the, like the, the emphasis on the human side of of relationships and the human side of all of the organization how are you seeing that play out in I don't know in their messaging or, or their area of focus yeah well it's it's obviously been a huge focus both you know the people the human aspect mm. um, how to keep us uh, connected as teams as an office as yes. uh, wider the, in the wider firm um, I think I think for all organizations not just law firms there's been a lot that the senior leadership has had to do that that they've not done previously yeah. i think yeah, this has been a time yeah. of, of enormous reliance on on those senior leaders mm. you know beyond the sort of thing that they would have been expected to provide in the past i think there's been a real pastoral role yes um, you know a, a, again an emotionally intelligent role um yeah. that they have performed and i think you know going below the sort of most senior leaders i think also we're at a point now where things like you know it's very standard aspects of, of management. You're managing a team, delegating, communicating. Um, the best practice in those areas is now much more complex and nuanced. 
yes. um, than it was even even a couple of years ago. So I think there's also a lot of managers who are having to really learn new things and and adapt their old ways of managing um, mm. to this new, particularly the uh, hybrid model. Yes. In some ways, actually being fully remote was almost in some ways easier yeah. because now it's a it's a switching between and, and having people um, in different locations and, and some you know, in some days and out other days. So there is a lot that managers need to be learning and, and developing in themselves. Mm. And again, it comes back to, you know, our humanness is central to being effective in that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and to bringing people along. And making people feel that, that you care and that you're supporting them and you're you're interested in in their success and development. Mm. And I think that's you know I think that's such an that's such an interesting point. The whole hybrid situation we are moving into, as you say, because as you say, it was very two dimensional, but it was the same for everyone over the last eighteen months. Now we're moving into a situation again for our listeners. Just imagine. So now you may be going into an office, or if you join a firm, you may go into a firm. Or you may go into a firm some days, but you may be going in not not throughout the week. So again, how do you connect with your teams? And I've heard lots of discussions where firms are saying, "Well, how do how do we do this?" And the leaders having to think about, "Well, how do we do this?" You know, do we suggest do we suggest people come in on at least there's overlap on one or two days when everyone will be in on that team? How do we then ensure that not just at that team level, but also how do they work cross department? And will that team be in? And as you say, in a way, we were always doing this because you know i remember when i was pwc often the client would ask us what's the answer to this question please in 15 different countries so you would be on the telephone and emailing as, as you always would be but it's interesting now that the workplace as you say we're having to th- we're having to think about it much more i think that's that's com- that's really clear i think for the senior managers especially yes um uh, that's uh bring, brings back memories for me of uh, of also working with uh, council all over europe um, in my yeah, in my exactly. uh, lawyering days myself um yes and i think with that i remember being very aware of cultural differences yes um i i think here when you it's interesting you talked about when we were remote it was we were, it was all the same i think actually it was a bit deceptive because i think a lot of us felt mm. we were all having the same experience but in actual fact I think there was a huge variety uh, point well made actually that's a very good yeah. point I, yeah I yeah. think the experience yeah. of a trainee in a shared house no absolutely really, right yeah you know very different but but no but I wasn't uh, I, I think it, no but it's true Julie because yeah. you're right I mean there's been all this discussion as you say about what are every what's everyone's home environment like they're very different yeah and and what's you know home environment um what was going on for them emotionally maybe exactly. health-wise yeah um and and I think that complexity continues. Yes. But with this extra layer of also um, being back in the office some of the time. Yes. Um, and you know, again, it's not we're not starting. This isn't and something we're introducing pre-pandemic. This is something mm-hmm. with the pandemic still to some extent um, uh, going on. So there are also those other factors are still in the mix, in yes. addition to the being in the office um, and, and being at home. So I think for for um, well, really anyone who who manages a team or or you know, supervises or delegates to others, there's really thinking about you know how best how best to do that in a way that is um, going to bring out the best in those people. Yeah, very good point. Um, and I, and I think at the junior end for those trainees, you know, really think about how you can um, 
how how you can most effectively do do your role and, and work with others mm. in those different mm. environments. Mm. I think that's a great point, Julie, because actually, whatever level, you know, again, listener, our listeners may be very junior, they may not have it gone into their first job yet, or they may be mid-career or senior career folk. And I think the, the, there's a point here around, as you say, thinking about and empathising with the, with, the, with the other person and, and the other mm. person in the conversation, and mm. whoever they are and wherever they are, you know, mm. because it may be that the senior person's having a, having a, difficult period or whatever or the junior person's having you know it's as you say it's yeah. not as it's not that simple at all you need to so almost there's that point perhaps in conversations perhaps another tip for people about again the human side of checking in giving yourself permission in these connection points in the communication to always almost check in i always say check in off matter so not just the matter you want to talk to someone or the project you're talking to someone about but just how are you mm, absolutely and 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 also when depending the extent to which you have that kind of contact also with clients you and know, with clients absolutely clients yeah value emotional intelligence so highly and and even more so in in recent recent months is that they want their lawyers to be sensitive to to what they may be experiencing um, as well yeah and, and it was interesting julie you said that in the feedback earlier that that was one of the things the client really valued so yeah there you go very interesting mm-hmm. Um, so if we were wrapping up, Julie, we've talked a lot here about, as you said, the robot proofing, the human skills. And I think we've there's an enormous list, long list here of all the things we've gone through. Any, any final thoughts from yourself? I think I'm optimistic that mm-hmm. the confidence people have gained, that mm. they can learn new things and that they yes. can adapt, is going to really fuel um, changes to come and and help people to um to stay current with with the, you know the changing world of work and mm-hmm. also changing client needs um, and i think they will look back and think over this last 18 months gosh i you know i achieved a lot i i i managed to to still really you know perform at a high level in my role mm-hmm. and and i can i can adapt again um, and i have i have that resilience yes wonderful and and on your on your title of robot proofing i guess what i've taken away is this this thought that perhaps it's helped us it's helped us to refine this human this humanness actually and, and the importance of this humanness yes i mean the, the, the interesting thing is actually in a time in which we've never used technology more <laughs> yes. um i think we've come to to probably appreciate our humanness um even more and yes. and it, it is a it is a it's a side by side thing. You know, yes. you want to be using the technology effectively and really understanding how to get the best out of it, but also really investing in and developing those human skills that are going to enable us to meet the next challenge um, as it comes. Wonderful, Julia. One optimistic and positive note to end on. And I think we've covered such a range today all around human skills and the importance of human skills, even in this tech enabled world. So we hope you've enjoyed that, all of you who've heard the podcast, and also we hope you'll tune in again soon for another episode of Reimagine Law. Thank you very much.